Arev Zes, Urachem Vod Miat Selek Merzaglin. Yes, Aspet Tavit Medzorian. Tiv Meg Ararat Talijits. Arev Zes, and welcome to Talking Vartan, the Knights and Daughters of Vartan podcast. I'm Aspet David Medzorian of Ararat Lodge Number One in Boston. Thanks for joining me for our first podcast of 2021. A belated Schnorravord Nordari and Surtzununt to all of you and your loved ones. 2020 is, thankfully, now in our rearview mirror. What a year it was. Our Grand Commander Stephen Adams and Grand Matron Alice Kalustian both described 2020 as the year when the knights and daughters of Vartan learned to adapt. And adapt we did. Much of what we did last year, including our virtual Grand Convocations, we did for the very first time, and successfully. But through it all, despite a worldwide pandemic that we're still battling, despite the absence of face-to-face Talij and Otyag meetings, and despite travel restrictions that we are also still dealing with, the work of the Knights and Daughters of Vartan continues. On this, our 26th podcast episode will bring you up to date on what we, as a national organization, as well as individual lodges and Otyags, are doing to bring hope to our brothers and sisters in Armenia even in these difficult times. If you're looking for a way to enhance your own lodges or Otyag's participation in our efforts, beyond just writing a check, we'll have some answers on how you can do just that. For those answers, we're going to visit some friends of ours in San Diego, California. Many of you know them. They are, in every sense of the word, a true Knights and Daughters of Vartan couple. And in their two decades of service to our organization, They've done it all and continue to serve as examples for all of us. Of course, I'm talking about former Grand Commander Naki Navakspadabed Stephen Karajan and his wife, former Grand Matron Naki Navakdidui Lisa Karajan. They hail from Gomidas Talij number 43 and Talar Otyag number 31, respectively, both in San Diego. You'll hear me call them by their first names toward the beginning of our conversation. They said that I could forego the titles when we spoke, but after a few minutes, I just said to myself, no, I I can't do this. They earned those titles, and so I continued to use them. What are your thoughts now as we begin this new year for both of our organizations? Naki Navak Spadabit, Steve, I'll start with you. Thank you very much, David, for um, having us on. As you know, um, if you don't know, I'll just say that the Knights of Vartan and Daughters of Vartan continues to be a central part of our lives. I've been part of many charitable organizations in the community and have never felt a greater commitment to the goals of the Knights of Vartan than I do here. It's true that the pandemic has changed the way we think we do things, but I will say that uh, as, as far back as early last year, Avox Barabed Steve Adams and the Abak College were very proactive in issuing guidance that would allow the organization at the lodge level and the nationwide level to operate. As a result, we have continued in San Diego to have lodge meetings virtually on Zoom every month and also some committee meetings in between. Uh, we've also been active in recruiting additional members because of the provision that Yabok's uh, Farabed gave, which allowed us to do that to the first degree and still conduct business meetings with new members. It's a very proactive and forward-looking view. I'll also say that 
the grand convocation held this summer virtually clearly was a first for our organization. And uh, that, that kind of a meeting, of course, is a first for lots of industries and large conventions who ordinarily gathered. But I think it was, in fact, a turning point for the Knights of Vartan. And uh, I say that because there's, you know, there's often some difficulty for some members to travel to a convocation. So this opens the possibility of greater participation in future meetings. That certainly uh, happened here, too, because, yeah. uh, you know, here at Otterdot Lodge, number one in Boston, we've been having, as have you, our meetings online via Zoom since last spring. We're seeing people attending those meetings that had not been coming to the uh, on location, if you want to say it that way, meetings for whatever reason or another. But it's it's much, you know, it's very easy to, to pop your computer on or open up your smartphone and, and being able to participate. Nakinavak, Didui, Lisa, what are your thoughts now as we begin this new year for the Daughters of Vartan in terms of what you've been able to learn from last year, the lessons learned from last year, and what are your thoughts as we now begin 2021? Thank you, David. You know, Armenians are a resilient people. We know that from our history. We know that from our faith. And this year is no different. It's just that the uh, the challenges maybe looked different than other challenges we've faced in the past. But whether uh, it was meeting on Zoom or having virtual fundraisers or coming together in other ways, uh, we found ways to be creative. I think all the chapters found ways to continue meeting, to continue raising money, and continue to support charities um, because you could you could really say that even more than ever, um, the charitable efforts that we usually devote ourselves to needed our help even more. Um, the organizations that were dealing with the ravages of the war in Artsakh Armenian refugees, um, you know, clothing, medical, other humanitarian needs, the things that all of our colleges and Ochads tend to support anyway, needed even more of our help. So it's been really very positive and very exciting to see all the different ways that the chapters and organizations have partnered um, to make uh, that funding and that assistance and that hope a reality, because that's what we're here for, is not just to fundraise, but to provide hope, to provide encouragement, to provide an example among the Armenian community. And I'm, I'm excited that our organization has continued to do that, even in 2020, as hard as it was, and are going to be poised to do the same in 2021. Lisa, let me ask you, I'll start with you and I'll, I'll ask your husband right afterwards. What was the biggest challenge for the daughters in 2020? I think attendance, of course, is always a bit of a challenge. But I do think that um, the technology allowed more people to visit and chime in to meetings on Zoom. But for our older population, yes, they didn't have to drive, but now they have to learn how to use a computer. And Indeed. so I think it actually brought... Um, some multi-generational connection and assistance where we've had nieces and daughters and granddaughters coming over to the houses of our members to teach them how to use Zoom or to log on <laughs> to um, something. And, and we, we often found them there together during a meeting. And, and there were some neat opportunities there to, you know, to, to see people that we might not normally see. And I know for Avak Dirahi Alice, you know, her visitations to some of the more remote chapters that are sometimes difficult to travel to um, became more of a reality, too. So um, there were connections, not just at the Grand Convocation, but each month that wouldn't have normally uh, happened. And so, yes, probably the biggest challenge and the biggest help was the technology. Steve, what was the biggest challenge for the Knights this past year? Yeah, I think that... Uh... 
I would answer that differently for the local lodge than I would for the national organization. I think nationally, you know, I, I am very, very impressed and inspired by the response of our knights to the crisis in Artsakh. Just the fact that within approximately one month, over a quarter million dollars was raised by the Avak Tivan from our membership and some friends. There have been some major fundraising efforts in our uh, recent years over the last 20, 30 years, but I'd have to say that the, the uh, concentrated effort and significant result was unsurpassed this time in the short time that it was received because of the, the crisis that was ongoing. And that fundraising continues. The, the ability to do it was actually a result of communication that was led by the Avak Tivan, Avak Sparvet, Steve. Uh, and because the lodges are meeting on Zoom largely, he's directed all of them to invite him to their meetings. And he's been able to actually visit lodge meetings all over the country several times during a week because of and in the fact, uh, telecommunication. In fact, he's, yeah. when he, the last time he visited with us in Avak Spadabed, uh, Steve has visited and joined in our lodge meetings a few times now in the past year. Um, there was one evening where I think he had two or three meetings to attend in one night. So yeah. I'm like, kudos to him to be able to do that. But thanks to, as you say, thanks to technology, that has made it all possible. 2020 was a year in which Armenians around the world were asked to give, whether it be money or resources, all to help their fellow Armenians whose lives were turned upside down, whether it be in Tavush province following the July Azari attacks, in Lebanon following the August explosions in the port of Beirut, and of course in Artsakh, both during and following the 44-day war that began last September 27th. Besides the fundraising drives undertaken by the Knights and Daughters as a national organization, there were also fundraisers held by local lodges in Otyags, not to mention all the other Armenian organizations and, of course, our churches. So we've been asked to come to the plate, as you to use a baseball metaphor, many times in all of that. And I, and I think that, you know, most of us have been able to do that. But does it ever get to a point where, for lack of a better term, donation fatigue starts to set in, or will this continue because it needs to? That's a great question, Dave. And I have to say that the answer to me is readily apparent. Uh, I think that no other organization but the Knights of Vartan can respond as effectively to this rapid string of desperate needs for the Armenian community in whichever country happens to be the most significant challenge. We come from a life, or at least over the last century plus, that is filled with persecution, with genocide, with survival as, as a challenge. And we've seen that now played out even last year. And because Armenians are blessed with resilience, as Lisa said, but also with determination and courage and boldness, we will rise to the challenge. The Knights of Vartan was founded, as you know, during the Armenian Genocide. Indeed to rise, to a, rise to a challenge that was catastrophic. And I believe that the efforts uh, currently in fundraising actually for very few will be seen as donation fatigue. I, I think that this is the time when 
the members of the Knights of Vartan and Daughters of Vartan will continue with enthusiasm and resolve to make donations to the best of their ability and to encourage each other to do the same. When you talk about donation fatigue, um, the urgency and the, meet of the needs of our Armenian people are as great as ever. And so at the same time, what I would encourage people to think about if they're starting to feel any kind of donation fatigue is the fact that um, there are a lot of expenses that that we are not having to incur as a chapter and even personally uh, because we're not attending events and banquets and uh, you know dinners and all of those things in person that we're typically spending each month. And I know for our chapter, we sort of tried to identify how much we'd spend on the monthly dinner, uh, you know, even if it's $15 a person and this having that and money to just be um, identified for a charity instead, and because we, w we would have met normally in person and had that money go towards a charitable effort, but we're not meeting in person. And so there's a lot of ways, although I know there are a lot of people struggling with a loss of job and so forth, but there's also a lot of uh, charitable funding that we would normally be expending as a chapter or even personally during this time that we're not. And so it, it you know, it's not difficult to make the to identify what that would have been and then and then I and then earmark that for charitable spending now without having too much uh, donation fatigue. Excellent point to me made. Thank you very much. As I said at the beginning of the program, the mission of the Knights and the Daughters of Vartan still continues. Nakinavak, did we Lisa, I'll start with you. What can you tell us about some of the projects that you are aware of or perhaps even involved in, whether they be here in the United States or in Armenia, that you would like all of us in the organization to know about and perhaps even take part in? Yes, thank you for asking, David. I, I would say there are a number that are very exciting and have been born out of the challenges of the past year, which is also exciting. Uh, one, uh, which was also featured in the Avarar, is the Armenia Support Fund, founded by one of the daughters of Vartan, the younger, newer members, Olivia Jemgochian of Agayane Ochag in San Fernando Valley, which awards uh, seed grants to small businesses in Armenia to help them through COVID-19 challenges. Um, as as we know, you know, our our younger professional members is is a group that we really want to continue to reach out to and encourage uh, into the fold. Of our sisterhood. And so any ways that they can bring their talents and their abilities forward is exciting. And so this is a perfect example of, of Olivia, Sister Olivia, with a business background herself and a marketing background to uh, use her skills and abilities and, and relationships to get the word out and to support Armenian small businesses um, because they really need our support. Just as, of course, the small businesses are suffering here in the United States, you can imagine how much more uh, that they're challenged there as well. So that's one example that we're really excited about. I do think also that Nakhinevak Sparbet Steve can speak also, and I could briefly mention the Armenian Artist Project, which was developed over the last few years from the San Diego and Orange County uh, chapters to support Armenian artists in Armenia and also to raise charitable funds for Armenian efforts. I also wanted to mention that uh, Armenian scholarships are alive and well. Kids are still having to go to school, even if it's online. Mm -hmm. All the chapters, uh, many of the chapters, I would say, have local scholarships in addition to the National Knights of Vartan Scholarship. Our Talar chapter for the first time in this past year awarded a, their first uh, scholarship to an Armenian woman at the university or graduate level, and we were very excited to do that. And I do think those are the kind of things, again, students, or a whole other body of people that need our help and need our support even during a pandemic. 
So we were excited to do that as well. And grassroots efforts at every chapter are alive and well, whether it's, you know, knitting sweaters and having them be shipped to Armenia or in Talar Otek's case in San Diego, we did a fundraiser to raise money for the five families of the five soldiers who died in the Davush attack in July. And also, you know, worked with the wider San Diego Armenian community, as well as within our chapter to raise, you know, some money to give to each of the surviving either spouse or parents or siblings of those fallen soldiers. We've even had one of our own members, a family members who died as a commander in, in the Armenian army. And so it's very close to home for our chapters here in San Diego to support uh, the soldiers and their families during this time. So those are a few of the things that we're, we're proud of and that can continue chapter by chapter in the way that each chapter sees fit, depending on the resources they have. There's a lot of places uh, that need help. I, I would add, I appreciate those comments, Lisa, and I would add that what has been on a bit of a hiatus due to government reorganization was the Armenian School Support Project, which, as you know, had initiated over 20 years ago and very soon will start up again. This is an important project to rebuild schools in Armenia. It's had a major effect on over 250 schools across the country, and that will be resumed soon. Additionally, during the last few months, the Avak Sparbet Steve Adams has initiated the Knights of Vartan Charities Incorporated, a new corporation that is managed as a 501c3 organization by the Avak Tivan, and it will administer a charity for many projects that are in the spirit of the Knights of Vartan mission that is to improve the lives of Armenian people, defend the church, our culture and heritage. And uh, th this is, I think, uh, a new beginning for the impact that the Knights of Vartan can have on an even larger scale than uh, we previously experienced. How will people get involved in that particular effort? What has to happen? Uh, in the effort of the Knights of Vartan Charities? Yes. That was well, it, it is a corporation which will receive donated funds and then, according to the instructions of the donor, will administer those funds. Okay. It, it, in other words, the organization, that is the corporation, Knights of Vartan Charities, will agree with a donor on whatever conditions the donor applies and then will administer accordingly. So, uh, you know, there has already been $100,000 donated from a businessman in the Fresno area to that corporation. The uh, current Avak Tivan has also put in place the necessary regulations to enable the Knights of Artan charities to be named in bequests and wills. So that's another way that families can get involved in channeling donations to this charity. It, again, it's, it's managed entirely by the Knights of Vartan. And so it's an instrument by which people can instruct their lifelong wishes to be carried out by the, the Knights of Vartan leadership through this corporation. For those who would like to do something in addition to perhaps what they are already doing or are trying to come up with an idea of, okay, how can we as a lodge help and where do we start? What's a good place to start? I would, I would say for the Daughters of Artan uh, that the Avak Dirahi uh, and her Avak Hodor do identify 
a national charity or charities each year that they encourage the chapters to donate to as, um, as a sort of collective effort to leverage a little more impact onto a charity. Uh, and so uh, Mayor Huis, a wonderful organization in Armenia that helps uh, train vocationally young women to be in the workforce and to be self-sufficient, is one of, uh, of Akdir Hialis' adopted charities, and there are others. And each year, I know when I was, in, during my tenure, I selected a few. Each one selects different charities over the years, where if chapters don't have a specific idea, they can be encouraged to follow the guidelines or the recommendations of the National Council and the charities that they encourage them to support. And I have to say this from my experience that, you know, it might not seem like a lot, but, you know, you multiply 20, 20 chapters with um, however much they're each able to give, and, and it can become a sizable impact of a donation to the charity, whether it's in Armenia or if it's an organization in the U.S. So that's one way that I know on the daughter's side that, um, that, that they can get involved if they don't have any specific ideas. For the Knights of Vartan, um, I can name some very specific ways that a lodge could get involved at different levels. Please. So, for example, each year the Avak College provides a scholarship of $250 per student per year to the Yerevan State University and the Polytechnic University. That is almost one year tuition for each student. And so it's, it's a, at the level of $250 multiplied by whatever number of scholarships a lodge would like to participate in, that would be, you know, one way to make a donation. And certainly a lodge, you know, if they don't have the treasury for that, they can organize some sort of a fundraiser online and through that fundraiser, raise some money in order to make that, that kind of donation. Also at $250 per person, the Children of Armenia Sponsorship Program is supported by the Knights of Vartan and managed by FAR in order to support orphans in Armenia, primarily in Tavush. The Diaspora for Frontline Families Fund. That's right. And so, uh, again, $250 per year per student. You know, that could be a sponsorship level that a lodge could support. A little bit higher amount is a scholarship to the American University of Armenia. Currently, the Knights of Vartan supports at $2,500 per student per year, which, again, is not quite a full... Uh, tuition, but it's, uh, it's, it's an identified scholarship amount that the university recommended a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And then at a little bit higher level is the Fuller Center for Housing that the Knights of Vartan and Daughters of Vartan support, where for an amount of $10,500 will complete the building of one family house. There is an inventory at the Fuller Center for Housing where a, a list of families that have been qualified for for this is available so that when the money becomes available, they can match that to the, the family whose house will be built. And those families actually pay that back over 20 years mm-hmm. with interest-free and inflation-free. So the money is recycled through an ever-expanding pool of recipient families. Those are just, and then I mentioned already the Armenian School Support Project, where any amount as a donation will be welcomed by the ASSP committee and matched to a project, which are yet to be indexed for this year. So, so those are just some examples where a lodge could target one of them or another project and identify that as their chosen project for the year. I think it's a great way to get started. And 
it would be good if they communicate with the Avak team on you know, their intentions. I was going to say, if they do want to get started, should they be in direct contact with the Avak Tivan about this and make their inquiries there? Sure. I've information, more information could be provided other than I can say in this very moment. Mm-hmm. But there is literature for every one of these programs, you know, contact information, all that could be provided to the lodges. Gohar, actually, our liaison in Yerevan, has complete information about every one of these programs would be a great resource. And we'll provide the uh, contact information to uh, contact our liaison at the end of our podcast today. Right. Now, you're in San Diego, California, so you're eight or 9,000 miles away from Armenia, and yet I'm assuming that there is a great deal of communication going back and forth between you there, as well as, of course, our Grand Commander and our Avaktivan and our liaison and others in Armenia. And how important has that been, especially in these last 12 months? I think it's been absolutely essential. I mean, Gohar is the Knights of Artan liaison for the communications office mm-hmm. of the Knights of Artan. And she has, over the last four years that she's been operating in that role, she has developed it into the role of a communications hub. And I know that you've been in touch with her in previous conversations. She has a very specific knowledge about needs of individual people in Armenia who could benefit from donations by individuals in the Knights of Vartan. But uh, she has been an essential communications hub for all of the the Knights of Vartan leaders in the U.S. and many programs in Armenia. That's really why her job was created, to be the face and voice of the Knights of Vartan on the ground in Armenia. I think it's been absolutely essential We use multiple telephone communications by Viber and other instruments that make it easy. We all have learned, you know, that early morning calls in California can be mid-evening calls in Armenia. Timetables. And, uh, you know, everybody has been willing to get up real early or stay up real late in order for those communications to work well. You talked about uh, earlier the conversation that I had had with Der Aram Mirzoyan in uh, Bert. Now, I had two. I'm not sure which one you heard. I spoke to him in July at the time of the Tavush War then and then just uh, after the beginning of the September War. And on that latter occasion, and uh, those who are listeners to this podcast know this, Der Aram contacted me at uh, what was 11 p.m. in Armenia and said, because I'd been trying to reach him to talk to him to find out what was going on and and get a firsthand account from him. And he said, I can talk to you, David, but we have to do it right now. And if you know Der Aram Mizorian, God bless him. Wonderful man, but he speaks very limited English. And my Armenian is not wonderful. (laughs) I'm being nice to myself when I say that. And so I called Kohar, literally at 11 o'clock at night, her time. And I said, listen, I need your help. He can talk to me right now, but would you be so kind as to translate, which she had done once before? Without batting an eyelash, she said, absolutely. And so we were able to do the interview, and it was an incredible interview because he had so much to say. I couldn't have done it without her. And uh, I know that she doesn't like me to compliment her like that, but uh, she is, uh, from a personal standpoint, she's been of tremendous assistance uh, to this podcast. And uh, so I share your sentiment. Let and I'm ask- going to compliment her a little more because right she, 
is not only remarkable in responding to requests that come to her and they come to her a lot, but she's been so proactive and helpful in um, also in sharing communications to the wider membership, um, especially over this summer. She was sending updates um, by email and newsletter multiple times a week in terms of what was going on, as well as on Facebook for the wider membership to be kept abreast of all of the important developments. And so she she also just takes the initiative in that way as well. And people are, I believe, becoming more used to um, receiving that from her and depending on uh, that source of information that she provides, because it, especially during the pandemic where everything is having to be electronic and we're not able to have as many meetings, she even did a Zoom meeting to train some of our members in how to become mm -hmm. more uh, adept at emailing and Zoom and social media during that time. So she really has been proactive in getting uh, communications out to us as well. That was an invaluable workshop. And uh, I know a few people who actually took it and they said, my God, before I took that, I didn't know what about, you know, how to, to log on to Facebook or Zoom or any of that and it's invaluable information that we need now, and she was able to provide it. I know that had there been no pandemic, about uh, four months ago, the three of us would have been walking the streets of Yerevan, and for that matter, Artsakh, ironically, a week before the, the start of the war, as part of what would have been Veratat's Haidenik number 5. And I know that you've been there for all of them, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. What is the one thing about not being able to visit Armenia that you miss most of all? Oh well, yeah. It, it's 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 very painful to me that that we were unable to go this year or last year. One one of the greatest outcomes of our trip each year has been to reinforce for the local people and the programs and partners that we work with is to reinforce with them how important their work is to the Knights of Artan mission, and to express our gratitude for their devotion. And in return, they express gratitude for our devotion. And so it becomes very much of an enhancement and encouragement mutually to the leaders of the Knights of Vartan who go and the Daughters of Vartan who go, as well as our mission partners in Armenia. We, we actually have each time on the last night of, of the trip, we have a a banquet together, which is low cost and not fancy, right. but we, you know, we have it in order to express appreciation, gratitude, and hopes and dreams for the coming year. And we really missed that this year. We had lots of emails back and forth and some Zoom calls with our mission partners in Armenia that so they know why we're not coming. And it was all very obvious why we couldn't come, but we did express as much as possible our devotion. And of course, the, the, the financial support continued for the Fuller Center for Housing and the scholarships, all of that still persisted. And for that reason, I'm very, very proud of the leadership of our Knights of Vartan and Daughters of Vartan for seeing that through, even though we couldn't physically arrive. So, you know, I'm grateful also that tentative plans are being made for the visit this year. And I hope that it can work, you know, but I think it's been extremely important uh, to the Knights of Vartan and Daughters of Vartan to make those trips each year. It keeps hope alive for our compatriots in Armenia, and it keeps our focus here in the Knights and Daughters of Vartan. 
Naki Navagdiri Lisa, go ahead, please. Yeah, Steve speaks with great emotion because I know he helped develop that trip so that people can see the results of all of our efforts here in the United States and see the impact it's having in Armenia. And there really is no greater or deeper satisfaction than that. When our family went a few years ago as well, just to see the family that would move into the Fuller Center for Housing home that they had been waiting for, or to see um, the, the medical care that was, that was received, to see the health care that was received, to see the orphans that were supported, to see all the different schools that we were supported, um, to see the girls at Merhuis, which I got to visit, all of these things that we got to see. And some of our sisters of Talarochag in San Diego have also joined on that trip the last several years and have gotten a great sense of joy and meaning and satisfaction that has then empowered and encouraged their efforts to keep going. Like Steve said, we all need that hope to keep going and, and seeing what's happening, seeing the impact that we can have makes us want to keep going. I know that both of you know my parents, including my dad, who passed yes. away last year. And he, oh, now I'm the one getting emotional. Oh my goodness. He loved those trips. And it just meant the world to him to be there. And he would come back and, you know, he was in his early 90s the last time he went there. And he was still nonetheless in, so invigorated by it, you know. And he went, as you know, everywhere. And, you know, you would sometimes go out to some rather remote locations uh, to see what was happening and update on various projects. And he was always right there. And... That was one of the one of the many regrets I have, of course, was that I was never able to, as part of the Knights of Vartan, to actually go over there with him. And I was planning on going this past year, and uh, so I uh, look forward to getting over there as soon as I can. In fact, as soon after I'm vaccinated as I can, I'm going to uh, book a flight. And because David, I, I, if I may interrupt, I'm, please. I'm so glad that you, you brought up the subject of your parents and your dad in particular. Um, you know, I, I was honored to travel with your folks, especially to Tavush, but to all parts of Armenia. I spent a great deal of time with them when I was there uh, because it was so edifying to me. Your mom and your dad individually, they had so much encouragement to share. And as you may know, the children and teachers of the Ikebar school in Tavush you know, they received so much support from, from your parents mm -hmm. that they, they named their school choir. Yes, I know. Uh, Zorian, <laughs> and, and I was there. I was there when that <sighs> award was made and when they had their, uh, their song in honor of, of your folks. So I, I just want to share with you that I have many times uh, spoken in tribute uh, of your folks and their efforts and one year, I, when I was on Oxbar Bed, I created an award specifically in their name for the service they've given to Armenia. To you, I say thank you for your folks' devotion. And we're very glad to see that, that your mom is still uh, pushing hard on the same cause. Indeed. And thank you very much for saying that. And I apologize for my emotion, but hmm, I... I don't apologize. Actually, I don't apologize for it. And, That's uh, right. No need to apologize. We're Armenians <laughs> and we wear our hearts on our sleeve. And these are the things that matter to us, our homeland, our family, our faith, our church, our children. This is this is why we're here. This is why we do what we do in our organizations. And so That's no right. apologies needed. That's right. Well, I want to thank you. Let me say, while I'm talking about your mom and dad, please. I'm talking about Nakin Sparbit, Jack Midzorian, and Nakin Dirley, Ava Midzorian. 
uh, again, I, I just say their names in tribute for all the impact they've had in our media. Thank you. Thank you. That, that, that means so much to me. I, and I will certainly pass that along to, uh, to my mother. So Nakin Avak Spadabed, Stephen Courageon, and Nakin Avak Didui, Lisa Courageon, I want to thank you both from the bottom of my heart for spending some time with me on the Talking Vartan podcast. And, uh, you know, as we have said many, many times uh, on this program over the past year, despite whatever the obstacles and trials and tribulations are, the work and the mission of the Knights and Daughters of Vartan continues. And uh, thanks for giving us an update on just... Uh, how that mission is continuing, both here and in the homeland, and also for some extremely productive ideas on how we can become even more involved. And I hope, if I don't see you in uh, Armenia this September, I do hope that it is as soon as possible. And uh, with your permission, I'll reach you both with an embrace. Thank yes. you, David, so much. Thank you, David. I we wish appreciate, you, I wish you both, having us. Thank you. And I wish you both the very best. And uh, since it is evening, well, it is over here. It's still late afternoon where you are. I will say, Kishet Pari, and all the best. Luis Pari, Thank you. My heartfelt thanks to Steve and Lisa Karajan, our Naki Navak Spadabed and Naki Navak Didui, who joined me today from San Diego. If your lodge or Otyog has an idea for a project that you'd like to start, or if you'd like to participate in any of the ongoing efforts that were discussed on this podcast, I know an Avaktivan and a liaison who'd love to hear from you. As you heard from our former Grand Commander and former Grand Matron, the need for staying in touch and getting up-to-date information is more important now than ever before. And for those of us in the Knights and Daughters of Vartan, there are plenty of resources to help us stay in touch. Check out the Knights and Daughters of Vartan Facebook page for news and photos from both our liaison and from our lodges and otyags around the country. The Knights and Daughters of Vartan website at kofv.org. It's a great resource for all sorts of useful information about our organization, its history, all our lodges and otyags, our leadership, our projects, fundraising activities, even the music and lyrics to the songs sung at our meetings, and so much more. I've spent hours on that site, and the information there is invaluable, so make sure to check it out. If social media is your thing, the Knights and Daughters of Vartan has you covered there as well. I've already mentioned Facebook, but you'll also find the Knights and Daughters on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Last but certainly not least, Avaraid our quarterly digital and print publication featuring informative articles, photographs, and other materials that showcase the very best of the Knights and Daughters of Vartan. All of our media resources are managed by our communications liaison in Armenia, Gohar Palian, whose praises you heard during the course of this podcast and all deserved. You can reach her directly at knightsofvartan at gmail.com. As for the Talking Vartan podcast, to which you're now listening, I'm looking forward to bringing you new episodes throughout this year, and our February edition, episode number 27, will mark two years of the Talking Vartan podcast. If you have an idea for a future podcast that you think would be of interest to the Knights and Daughters of Vartan, or if you know of a lodge, otyag, or individual member that you feel deserves some special recognition on Talking Vartan, I would love to hear from you can reach me directly at talkingvartanpodcast at gmail.com.
talkingvartanpodcast.gmail.com. Give you that one again, talkingvartanpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can reach me through the Talking Vartan Facebook page. Special thanks as always to Mal Barsamian for our theme music, Lorki Lorki, from his album One Take, Armenian Dance Tunes. Talking Vartan, the Knights and Daughters of Vartan podcast, is the exclusive property of the Knights and Daughters of Vartan and Osped David Medzorian. Any use of this program without the expressed written permission of both parties is prohibited. It was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who said, Everybody can be great because everybody can serve. Thank you for your service to the Knights and Daughters of Vartan. I'm Osped David Medzorian of Ararat Lodge No. 1 in Boston. Shnoragalem, Sireli Paregamner.